When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins. He's Greg. I'm Nick. Thanks to Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And also, betonline.ag, fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. Well, this is the job, and uh, it's a rough one to recap today after what happened on Sunday. I'm sure many people are still shocked. Some might still not even think it actually happened and it was reality on Sunday in Vegas but here we are yes it actually happened uh that game ended the way it did before we get to the uh final play Greg first let's talk about the offense in that final drive and kind of the approach and what you saw leading up to the what I've called the lateral of death yeah I mean you know look it it should have not it should have never gotten to that point Nick I mean when you get the ball with 32 seconds on your own 25 and two timeouts left a somewhat functioning offense you know at least threatens at least gets the ball to midfield without any issue but of course as we know now as we know well this is not a normal functioning offense it's the complete opposite of that and like and then like the first play of that drive perfectly encapsulated where this offense is at this point in time because they got the defense that they wanted it was probably a bad call by the Raiders the the Raiders went into Tampa two coverage which means they had two deep safeties and they were going to have a a middle linebacker in the middle of the field running down in sort of the deep middle and then the the safeties were going to sort of widen out in Tampa two and so there there were gaps there to hit on first down and Matt Patricia actually calls a good play. But guess what? Somebody doesn't run their route right. Tyquan Thornton runs basically into the same area as Hunter Henry. Really what you want on that play is Hunter Henry sort of going to the deep half of the field. Tyquan Thornton's coming underneath. And basically the quarterback's reading the middle linebacker. If the, if the middle linebacker goes to the shorter route, which he normally does because the play's in front of him, then all of a sudden, Hunter Henry catches the ball. It's like a 30-yard gain. Here they are at midway, timeout, ball, you know, 10, 15 yards for a game-winning touchdown, uh, field goal. But, of course, Tyquan Thornton runs way too up the field and almost into Hunter Henry, so it's a big discombobulated mess, and Mac Jones has to take the little dinky short pass to Jacoby Myers that only gets eight yards, and they have to burn a timeout. And it was just stuff like that over and over again. And, like, I was just 
Like, uh, Nick, I'm, do- I'm done. I'm done watching this offense on film. And I think the players are in the same boat that I am. We know Mac Jones is. I think Hunter Henry is. I think David Andrews is. You know, watching them on film, this was an offense that was done. If it's not given to them by the other team, if it's not easy, if it's hard, they, they can't function. And it's it's if it's of their own doing. There's no attention to detail, and like that last drive. I mean, it shouldn't even gotten to that point. And then you had the whole mental error with the laterals, and it should have never gotten to that point. That's like the story of the 2022 Patriots. It should have never gotten to that point if you were somewhat functioning. But this the, the lack of attention to detail on offense, on that kind of play, on special teams, the punt block, like it's. It's all just a discombobulated mess. This entire team, and they're not well coached. They obviously don't practice enough or rep the right things enough. They're not getting the coaching points at every position. Receivers are running bad routes. Running backs are running bad routes. Uh, You have questionable uh, defensive play calls. The Darren Waller touchdown, there's no middle of the field safety. And Devin McCourty's not there of his own volition. Somebody told them to be to shade Devontae Adams, yet there's no one in the middle of the field. Like, it's just this team is just a mess in, in all areas. And it all came to, you know, sort of like the final thing from the Keelan Cole touchdown to, uh, you know, the offense on the final drive to the final play. Like, that just that whole like minute, last minute of the game. That's your 2022 Patriots. It was uh, the crescendo to what we've seen throughout this season. And it really began in the offseason. And and we don't need to relive everything. We've talked about this enough. The crappy decision by Belichick to stick with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. It's been a disaster from the beginning. And, And as Greg just mentioned, you've got guys, you know, running into the same spots as each other with these routes you've got you've got lack of spacing you had another play with Jacoby Myers who would have been wide open but Stevenson runs the wrong route it's it's just a disaster it's it's a dysfunctional disaster that resulted in the debacle that we watched on Sunday it's as simple as that I mean the it all starts with the coaching and when you don't believe in the coaching, you don't trust the coaching, the players start second, you know, guessing themselves. They start trying to figure out what the hell's happening and why this call's being, you just don't believe in anything that's being told to you. And you could see it, you know, you could see it on some of the players' faces and their body language. We'll get to Mac in a little bit, but you mentioned the Darren Waller touchdown. Go back and watch that on the TV footage. Watch Devin McCourty's reaction when he gets to the yep. sidelines. He's ripping his helmet off. He's screaming and cursing. That's not necessarily Devin McCourty, right? We, we don't see McCourty that visceral and, and that pissed. And it, it's, it's obvious. It's obvious there is zero belief in this coaching staff right now, at least on the offensive side. Defensively, they've been better. Mm-hmm. We'll get into them a little bit too. You know, the Raiders helped them out as well on Sunday. But, you know, at least defensively, they've been good offensively it's just it's all over the place and there's no rhyme or reason for any of it and and now your Mm -hmm. quarterback is is just reacting to it and he's going through it and fighting it he doesn't believe in any of his coaches it's rather obvious he doesn't believe in in much of the game plan and uh, it's it's just it's all over the place and it's bill belichick full stop it's on you bill 
before before that final plan again look the lateral was a disaster and and Jacoby said I was trying to do too much I was trying to play hero and it was just bad across the board I had a huge issue though with the defensive drive like mm-hmm. you're up by a touchdown just over two minutes left in the game uh, I don't believe the Raiders had any timeouts left and it really begins on the fourth and 10 because you come up with three straight stops as Carr is throwing bombs down the field for no reason but you, you you're looking at a fourth and 10 Let's break down that play, Greg, because that really is truly the beginning of the falling off the cliff that we witnessed in Vegas. That that fourth and ten, Marcus Jones versus Mac Hollins. Tell us what happened on that play. What you saw? Yeah, so uh, you know, definitely a good point by you, Nick, about the 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 last drive in general, and you know that fourth and ten play. You know, remember they're coming out of the two minute warning. Um, you know, so both teams have a chance to talk about what they're going to do. Now, I don't have a huge, I don't have a huge issue with the play call in the secondary because as far as giving cushion, um, I actually think Marcus Jones, Marcus Jones, considering what the play call was like, there's a lot of corners that would have played that and they would have been like 10 yards off. Marcus Jones was more like three or four yards off at the end of the route, but here and Hollins runs a good route. Carr delivers it on time. Like if Carr was a beat late, Marcus Jones gets there and breaks it up. I I think that as a defensive back, and I'm sure they said this during the timeout, just don't get beat over the top. That's the number one thing that you can't let happen, which he does, of course, on the game winner. So I understand like you don't, the the golden rule there is like, don't get beat. And you don't want to get, you don't want to bite on a double move or something like that. So I, I understand the cushion at cornerback, I understand giving up that route. I'd like to tackle him in play. Um, but here's my biggest issue, and this is the issue that I had in that whole drive. You have a Raiders offensive line that is obviously compromised. It wasn't that great coming into the game. Then they lose Dylan Parnum, their left guard. So Colton Miller, left tackle, is really good. Now at left guard, you have some guy you, – you have both their guards. They barely even practice this year with the team. They're awful. Um, some guy named Grassu at right guard. I don't even know who the guy they brought in at left guard. I think they just signed him off the street this week. The center's okay. Right tackle's been an issue for them all year. Okay. And what do the Patriots do? And they did this throughout the game. And I understand certain situations doing it. But in this situation, you know you're going to play soft in the secondary because you need to. Now is the time for your pass rush. This is the time for, you know, Christian Barmore and Matthew Judon and Josh Uche, and, you know, whoever else. And what are the Patriots doing? They're hitting the tight end coming out, like, repeatedly on this drive and taking Uche and Judon out of the pass rush, where they're rushing five, but the fifth is coming really late. The Patriots should have been dialing up their best five-man pressures. They want to throw to the tight end in the middle of the field with no timeouts? Let them. Who cares? Like you gotta you gotta end the game with a sack at some point in that drive. You as a defensive coordinator, you have to know that and you have to call that and get them out of this. Let them throw to the tight end. I don't care. And and that was my issue with the whole drive on defense, including that play. The pass rush, you were gonna have to get a sack to win that game. And the Patriots didn't get a sack, and that's why they lost that game. Hideous. Hideous. And mm-hmm. in the second half you played so much better because your defensive line started to eat 
and get pressure on Carr and because you started to run the football. Matt Patricia, why don't you understand what your team is? Why don't you get this, Matt Patricia? Can somebody on the staff sit him down and tell him your best player is Ramondre Stevenson, you joke of an offensive coordinator? What? Against the Bills, I tweeted this out, and I'll get to the defense in a second, but I just got to lose my mind about Patricia. Against mm-hmm. the Bills, you called 13 runs. You incompetent joke. If you watch Saturday night, and Greg and I talked about this before the game, this is not hindsight. This is not Monday morning quarterbacking. Mm-hmm. The weakness of the Buffalo Bills defense is the front seven. They're soft against the run. You can get to those guys. And against Buffalo, you call 13 runs. Ramondre Stevenson had 10 carries against the Buffalo Bills in that Thursday night game. If you watch Saturday, Miami ran it down their throat over and over and over again. They averaged like eight yards a carry. And then in this game, it's obvious that you could run at Vegas. Their front seven's not good. Max Crosby is fantastic. Chandler Jones, we said it last week, has been mostly MIA. Their linebackers are dudes that are just thrown out there on the field. They literally had a guy retire in the middle of the season. Run the football down the hill, and they don't do it in the first half. Is it any coincidence that the second half, this offense was clicking, they're moving the ball, they looked a lot better? Hmm, I wonder why. Because they were giving Ramondre Stevenson carries. They gave the ball to Pierre Strong. Matt Patricia doesn't get it. He hasn't gotten it since day one. Now, as far as Nick, the defense, two other things, two other things, real quick on that. Sure. Um, uh, Tyquan Thornton, who doesn't know where he's running half the time, is playing ninety percent of the snaps. And Kendrick Bourne, who the quarterback obviously really likes and has been here for a couple of years, plays eleven snaps in the game. It's that's a joke, and you are exactly right. We talked about it coming in. The Raiders are terrible in the middle of the defense. Like this was this was a game where you just all you need to do is roll out the Bailey Zappy Cleveland Browns playbook. Like you can run every down and then run play action after, you know, setting up the run action and then you'll have a guy wide naked open. Did they ever do that in this game? No, not even close. Why? Because the offensive coordinator is incompetent. Stinks. Stinks. Stinks out loud. And we'll get to Belichick and the stuff and the decisions he might he might make in this offseason. And I think he better make this offseason. But it's a joke. It, look, I'm not telling you I, I know everything about football. Clearly, I don't. Bill Belichick has been coaching the game for 175 years. I get it. But when Greg and I can come onto this podcast and we can tell you, Greg, watching the film, I have watched every single Raiders game this season painfully. When we come onto this podcast and we say, and we say, this defense is weak in the front seven, you can run the football against them. And then you see your offensive coordinator go out there and do the exact opposite. I don't know if they're overthinking it or he just doesn't get it on the fundamental level. Like it is so ridiculous what they're doing week after week after week. It's like, is anybody on this coaching staff watching the film and saying, hey, they can't stop the run. They're not very good against the run. Hey, I think we can go downhill with Ramondre and give him 20 to 25 carries. And if, if Ramondre can't have 20 to 25 carries because he's dinged up, then and he didn't look too dinged up to me the way he played. But if that is the case, 
Pierre Strong looks, has looked pretty good. Kevin Harris actually looked pretty good the last few carries mm-hmm. he's had. Yep. So what the hell are we doing? Oh, and by the way, I don't want to curse. Greg tells me not to curse on this podcast. The the goal line stretch you saw. <laughs> fire it into the sun. That was the most embarrassing set of circumstances that I have witnessed. Matt Patricia, you have Ramondre Stevenson. You are about a yard away from a touchdown. It's four down territory. Give the ball to your best offensive player. Don't overthink it. Ramondre Stevenson should have been given three carries in a row and just bludgeoned him up the middle. The Raiders aren't stopping him three times in a row with Stevenson. Run the damn ball. It's, it's not rocket science. No pun intended with Patricia, who's apparently a genius with everything but offense and being a head coach. Like, what the hell are we doing? I don't know. Ramondre Stevenson's your best player on the team offensively, and you're on the one-yard line, and you give the dude the football once. Let's talk about Nick, the remember, remember how remember how Bill said earlier in the year, like, you know, asked about offensive changes. Like, you know, it's not like we're going to run the wishbone yeah. or something. The Patriots really it literally could have run the wishbone in this game and never passed. They could have been like Oklahoma, Barry Switzer's Oklahoma team <laughs> or something. And they literally would have won this game going away. But especially on the goal line. You're right. They just could have kept inching the ball forward and they would have scored. But or just, or just, run, after I t- just run the Mac QB sneak that worked Seriously. if John O. Smith was set. Like it, it just, oh my God, it's, it's, it's not tough. It's Matt Patricia. It's not that tough. Something <laughs> there's a lot of tough things about coaching football. When you're on the goal line, when you're, you're on the one yard line against a defense that can't stop the run. And you literally have one of the best running backs in all of football and you give it to him once. It, this is not tough. This is like, I, uh, it's Madden 06 to me. Like this stuff is like, so this is, these are things that, you know, when you're 15, 16 years old, I guarantee you there was a 15 year old Patriots fan watching this game, screaming at the TV going, give the ball to Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. I started taking AG one because I wanted to make sure I'm getting all my vitamins and nutritional supplements. I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for six months and I love it. Just had it this morning to get ready to, for this pod and Felger and Mass, because I got to go on with Adam Jones today. Oof. I need all my nutritional supplements I can get. It doesn't taste like <laughs> it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. I love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, 
which will be very handy in the in New England during these dreaded winter months. And five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What'd you see from Mac, Greg? So, you know, on Mac, um, you know, he wasn't good in this game, uh, and and I thought. First of all, I thought live, I thought he was terrible. Um, on film, it wasn't quite as bad. Obviously, he missed Johnny Smith on the touchdown. He missed Jacoby Myers in the scene. Those are plays you got to have. And, right. you know, it, it, it's it's not good. And the, with the state of this offense, like it makes people even more desperate and stands out even more, even though quarterbacks miss those kind of plays, you know, just about every week. Derek Carr must have missed about six of those plays in this game. He was terrible. And by the way, if you put Mac Jones at the end of last season on this Raiders team, the, the, the Raiders would have won that game going away. So let me just say that. But there's so much bad going on in this offense that it's not totally Mac's fault. Um, like I, I, I talked about the routes, the spacing, it's just not there, you know, having to go to Thornton instead of not having Kendrick Bourne. I don't understand those, those, those decisions. They make no sense to me. Um, but I do think I thought he was totally out of control during the goal line situation. Uh, if I were the coach of the team, I probably would have benched him at halftime just for that because I think he cost the team points because he was so out of sorts and just so mad. And I understand, like, you know, Thornton on the Johnny Smith incompletion, Thornton didn't run his route exactly correct. No excuse. He still should have made the play um, 10 times out of 10. Then on the next down when he threw the in-cut to Aguilar, Ramondre Stevenson was in the wrong area. He ran his route wrong and ran a linebacker right into the play. Plus, Aguilar doesn't fight inside. I understand why he's upset. Belichick calls the timeout on when they actually do execute something on the goal line. He's mad about that. <laughs> then he comes over the sideline. He's flipping out. He's just He doesn't want to listen to anybody. And then he comes out, and because he's so amped up, he he doesn't wait for Johnny Smith to get set and, and false starts, and that's the end of the drive. And so um, Mac Jones is a mess at this point. He is. He's. I think he's broken. I don't think Belichick has any other options. I think if he does replace him, and it doesn't matter. I Like, this is not a Bailey Zappi thing. Like, I'm not talking about Bailey Zappi being the Patriots starting quarter, quarterback. I'm just not. If you want to, if somebody wants to talk about that, go nuts, go, go, go make your own podcast. But I'm not talking about it. Cause I think it's utterly ridiculous. Um, I'm just talking about like, I don't think Belichick can do anything about it because I think guys like Hunter Henry and David Andrews and Jacoby Myers, I think those guys are barely hanging on by a thread at this point. And if Bill benched Mac, I think he's completely lost them. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Vilma was was talking about that specifically during that goal line situation about how Mac has become too animated. And look, I, I had no issue going back to Mac in the Buffalo game where where he, you know, he had had enough of of the Matt Patricia stuff and and he he let loose for really the first time that we saw as as much as he did. Uh, he had a little bit of it during the Arizona game. And, and I thought Troy Aikman said, you know, I, I kind of understand that that he's frustrated and I get it. And sometimes those frustrations show. I do think we're now at that line. And, and I do think it was, you know, a bit much on Sunday, especially during that that goal line scenario, because as you said, Greg, 
it did kind of take him out of his sorts and yep. it, it, it affected directly the, the QB sneak play that cost them points. And, you know, you, you make that play, you win the game. It's as simple as that. So uh, I understand, look, I'm not saying he shouldn't be frustrated. We just talked about Matt Patricia. I just lost my mind about Matt Patricia and I'm not working with the guy day to day and having to deal with his awful play calling and game planning. So I understand the frustration, but you know, when you're the quarterback, you're the leader out there and it's your job to get everybody kind of on the same page and, and especially emotionally, like what's happening because of the bad play calling and all that stuff that's happening and everybody sees it and feels it, but you can't allow that to start getting you out of yourself. And, and one of the things that we talked about with Mac coming out of Alabama, and we talked about this during his rookie season was his poise, his maturity, his poise, his ability to handle big moments. He didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. And we're starting to see it now where this guy is just fed up and he's letting it affect his comportment on the field. And he's letting it affect now, you know, some of the results of those plays. Uh, before we talk about moving forward, I just wanted your thoughts because I'm sure everybody's waiting and, and waiting to hear, you know, what we have to say about the, the Cole touchdown and the fact that it was not overturned. Um, I know there's been, you know, Zapruder film released, and I know there's been still shots of the foot zoomed in where you see white chalk, you know, goes like flying into the air. Um, my thought was that he was out of bounds. I thought it was his toe was out of bounds. I thought if you're going off of the replay, there were two angles that showed that his, his toe was out of bounds. Dean Blandino thought he was out of bounds. The broadcast team thought he was out of bounds. Um, I think that was not a touchdown. Uh, I think if you have a replay system and you review it and the guy, and you look at the replays and his foot is out of bounds and you call him out of bounds. Uh, I also think, you know, it's kind of a different thing here. We talked about the Vikings game and I lost my mind about the officiating, but again, you gave up a fourth and 10, you let them march down the field and you still had a chance to win if you handled your final drive correctly. So I don't compare those two games, but it's a huge call. And the NFL on Sunday night, it was even worse, Greg. I don't know if you saw that, but the Terry McLaurin, yeah. Yeah. you know, flag that was thrown, the obvious pass interference that wasn't called when the dude's literally getting bear hugged. The officiating's bad. I just, I wonder, do you think the NFL cares? Like, do you think the NFL cares that these things happen? And, and also just your thoughts about the Cole touchdown. Did you think he was in or out? Uh, so... As far as the NFL, largely, no, I don't think that they do. I think that they look at this as um, it, it adds to the drama. It adds to the discussion about the NFL. And I think they they like that. And I think there's certain things that the owners could do um, as far as training officials, um, paying the, you know, making them full-time officials, paying them more. Yep more cameras at all the stadiums and it'd be an easy fix, but they just don't want to spend the money. You know, this is the same uh, organization that laid off people in the league office and around the league during the labor stoppage that was really of their own doing. So this is the type of people that we're dealing with. Um, so no, I don't think that they care as far as the, as far as the play, like, look, do I think he was out? Yeah. Can I tell you with certainty that he was out? No, I'm sorry. I can't. I don't care how many angles you send me. Um, you know, if if it was ruled incomplete on the field, I would have had no problem with them keeping the call on the field. Um, I thought it was extremely close. And, but, you know, and 
you know, Nick, you know how I feel about it. And I'm sure you agree. I mean, you know, look, even if it's incomplete there, it's third down and you still got to get off the field. And I don't think it costs the Patriots this game. Um, certainly, you know, they, even with that play, we talked about the final drive and the final yeah. play and things like that. They had, it didn't cost the Patriots in this game. Do I think the call, it was unfortunate that it went against them. Yes. But you know, it's, it's part of doing business in today's NFL. It's just the way it goes. There was plenty of fault to go around. So, you know, again, the Minnesota game to me, the officiating was so bad in the second half. You could look at that game and say, boy, I thought the Pats got hosed on the call against Cole, but I don't think it's the reason they lost that game. You, you know, you still have plenty of game to go. You could get into overtime, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So let's look at moving forward really um, in, in coach Belichick and, and what's happening. And I put up a poll yesterday and thank you for retweeting it, Greg, because uh, a lot of people follow you. Not as many people follow me. Uh, it's at Nick C radio on Twitter, by the way. But uh, I, I put up a Twitter poll cause I was just kind of, I wanted to know where Patriots fans were after this Raiders loss, because now you're seven and seven, you're still in the playoff hunt, but would you rather this team kind of just lose out improve the pick uh, and put pressure on Belichick to make some significant moves? Cause if you finish seven and 10, I do think the urgency is, is cranked at an all time high. Or do you say as a fan, Nope, don't care. Even though I don't think this team really has what it takes to go all the way, I want them to win as much as possible. And I want them to get into the playoffs because, hey, anything can happen. So I tweeted out the poll and there were over 2000 votes. Almost 70 percent of the people who responded said that they would want the Patriots to lose out, lose out, get a better pick and put the pressure on Bill Belichick. And I think, yes, Twitter is overly um, negative most of the time. But I do think that gives us an idea as to where this fan base is. I think they're as fed up as, as I am and, and as you are with some of the stuff we're seeing play out. So with that in mind, Belichick making significant changes this offseason, especially on the offensive side. I know there's Tom Curran went out there and said that he could see Patricia come back next year as the offensive coordinator. It is my opinion that if Bill Belichick's plan is to bring this circus back, Robert Kraft needs to take the keys away from him immediately. Um, do you agree with that? I do. I do. I mean, if, if, you know, if, if I'm a Patriots fan, um, my preference would be to lose out here. I think they, they need to be seven and 10, eight and nine at the very least to, to enact real change. And it gives Robert Kraft, Robert and Jonathan Kraft, the ammo, the leverage to go to Belichick and, um, you know, basically demand change. And uh, if it doesn't happen, if the Patriots win their final three games, <laughs> okay, yeah, that'll happen. Um, then <laughs> then I think Belichick is just like, you know, smell my farts. I'm bringing everybody back. Any other relatives that I can hire to this coaching staff? Because, you know, it's working. Um, uh, you know, maybe Amanda. Maybe Amanda wants to switch from lacrosse to football. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's a good coach at Holy Cross. But um, – I think they need to lose out. And I think, I think that in any event, Robert Kraft, and I know he's not happy and I know the players aren't happy, especially on offense. And they have, they have sympathizers on defense like Devin McCourty and Matthew Jones, uh, Matthew Slater, who are encouraging, who are encouraging Matthew uh, Mac Jones to act out and use his voice and because they know the situation. Uh, if I'm craft, I'm going in there and I'm saying like, all right, Bill, so what are you going to do to fix this? 
And if Bill says nothing, we're just going to roll it back. We're just going to get better next year. I'll be like, okay, that's not going to happen. You know, you need to go out and hire an offensive coordinator. You need to uh, give me a plan for offense, uh, for the offensive line. You need to give me uh, a plan for special teams. Like I need to see this or else, um, or else you, you know, you might not be long for this job because I'm not Let me ask any you younger. That. Yep. If, if RKK approaches it like that, does Bill walk? Does Bill say, Hey, you know what? I've had the keys to this franchise for 20 plus years. I've won six Super Bowls. And, you know, my whole deal is you don't tell me what to do. You're the owner. Um, I've run this ship and I'm going to continue to run this ship. And if, if you're telling me that I have to make these changes because you're telling me to make these changes, not because I've decided to make these changes, I think my time is done here. Is, is that a possibility? It's, it's certainly a possibility. I think that Bill, in conversations with people who are who know of Belichick's thinking on what's going on here, I think that Bill re- has realized that he's screwed this up. That it's it's his fault, and he's not an idiot. He's a very smart man. He does adjust. He's honest about his football team, and he knows what's going on. And he screwed this up. And I think he's going to have some concrete plans as soon as the season is over for fixing it. Does that include Bill O'Brien? I don't know. I, 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 I'm having more and more doubts about that, but I don't know what other directions they can really go. I mean, you know, he could tell Nick Cayley, like, look, I screwed up. It should have been you. Here's the OC role. Here's more pay, whatever. Could it be Adam Gase? I don't know. I, we'll have to see, you know, I'm hoping that it's O'Brien, but if uh, I think, I think I think Kraft knows Bill and he's going to come at it the right way to make Bill think that he still has power, even though Robert's sort of influencing him. So I, fi- I think at the end of the day, they figure it out. All right. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up quickly that you've mentioned in the notes for today's podcast is Gerard Mayo. So Gerard's contract situation uh, is an interesting one. You want to get into that and, and maybe the idea that Gerard Mayo might actually be leaving this team in the off season. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I think this, I think, I think the entire coaching staff needs to be revamped. And I, and I think, I think Mayo's done. I, you know, from what I understand, I think Belichick may have talked to those guys about naming Steve and Gerard co-defensive coordinators at one point, but I think Mayo turned it down thinking like, you know, wait a minute. Like I run the meetings. Like I do most of the planning. Steve just calls the plays. Like, no, I want, you know, I should be defensive coordinator. I think, I think Mayo is ready to run his own ship on defense, whether it's a, you know, whether it's head coach, but at the least defensive coordinator. And I don't know how Kraft sits there and lets this happen again. Like the whole reason that they're in this situation on all sides of the ball is because Belichick has handled his coaching staff poorly. And, you, the, the crafts are just going to sit there and let Mayo leave for a job that he could have here. If it wasn't for Belichick's son, like, no, I just don't, I just don't agree with that. And so that's another thing that Kraft needs to bring up. Like really it should be Mayo should be defensive coordinator next year. Bill O'Brien should be offensive coordinator next year. Uh, Joe judge should be the special teams coordinator and Matt Patricia should be, you know, sort of kicks upstairs front office slash Ernie Adams type role. And like, let's, let's get moving forward. That's a real staff that, that can function 
And that's the kind of stuff that Kraft should demand. And if Belichick doesn't want to do that, then it's time to move on. Thanks, Bill, for the memories. But you're going to be 71. You're not getting any younger. Let's move on. Yeah, this is about the future of the organization, man. It's about the next 10 years. It's not about the next one or two years. It's not about Belichick breaking Shula's record, which obviously he wants to do. At a certain point, if you're RKK, you've got to draw the line and say, I've seen enough. And I said it. I said it during the season, early on this season. If it was six wins, everything is on the table. Six wins or less, everything on the table, including letting Belichick walk. Um, Seven wins or more. You know, if it's if it's seven, eight wins in that category, you, you've got to do what Greg's saying. You've got to walk up to Belichick and say, look, man, this this isn't good enough. However you want to approach it, you know, and if they had won 10 games or 11 games and got to the playoffs. And of course, it wouldn't even be a conversation because Belichick would look great. But something, you know, a number of things have to change. And what we've learned is even if you're considered the greatest coach of all time, sometimes you let your friends and the people that you trust the most, you put them in positions that they really shouldn't have, but you put them there because you trust them and you believe in them. And I, I think, I think Belichick was blinded by his own, you know, adulation and, and belief in Patricia judge and his son. And, mm-hmm. you know, look, the, the defense has been, I think the defense has overall been good, but if Mayo's going to leave, I, I think you have to absolutely look at making him the DC, the judge and Patricia stuff from the beginning I think Belichick put too much on his guys and he thought they could handle it. And he was obviously wrong. Just one more thing I wanted to mention before we get to three up, three down, because we had talked about it during this, this year. And then we talked about it at draft time, the Patriots, you and I said, they desperately need a linebacker that can get sideline to sideline and really steady the second level. And the Patriots decided not to draft a linebacker Matt Groh came out after the first round, whatever it was, maybe it was just the second day. I don't remember, but he came out and he said, camera grown, camera grown. Steve Belichick came out and said, camera grown, camera grown. Everybody was telling us we didn't draft a linebacker because we have this guy camera grown coming back from an ACL and he's going to be awesome. Um, he just signed with the Colts off the practice squad. Swing and a miss. Yeah, well, I think, that, I think the Patriots. I think the Patriots completely screwed the pooch on that because obviously McGrone coming back from the ACL was not ready. He might have been ready um, for next training camp to be a player because I do think his college film was really good. And so the Patriots tried to stash him on the practice squad, and I think he would have been fine staying there. But the problem was, do you remember like a week ago the Patriots elevated him from the pack practice squad, and then guess what? Yeah. Didn't activate him from the game. He was inactive. And I bet you can't, I, I don't know if something happened behind the scenes. Like he was late for something that was punishment or it was very odd. Like you don't elevate somebody from the practice squad and then not make them active. That doesn't happen. And so it, to me, it looks like Cameron Grome was pissed and said, smell you later, Patriots. I'm going to go be a real player, you know, for the Colts. And, you know, that could be a big thing. I want to tell people about Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL, bull season, esports, and even soccer. Now that the World Cup's over, you got Premier League, all that stuff. You always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. 
Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. The world's fastest three up, three down, Greg. What do you got? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lawrence Guy thought he was really good inside, limited, uh, you know, beat up those guards. Josh Uche, I thought was really good in this game. Michael Wenu at right guard was excellent in this game. Uh, down, Tyquan Thornton runs the right route about um, 10% of the time. Mac Jones did not play well in this game. And Jonathan Jones, I thought, was not good in this game overall with a couple more penalties, uh, things like that. Yeah, Jonathan Jones had a pretty rough go of it the second half of this season. He was really good to start. And uh, he said, and look, he's had a number of really tough matchups, but he has, he has absolutely taken a step back from where he was the first six, seven games of this year. Uh, just to remind all of you uh, gift subscriptions at bostonsportsjournal.com. Uh, Greg, you're, you're running a special as we get closer to the uh, holiday season here, just a few days away from Christmas. If you want to tell the fine people about what you got going on at Boston sports journal. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it, it's 40 bucks. Great gift subscription. You can literally go on there. If you've you got a Boston sports fan in your life, you're like, wow, what the hell to get to get them. Just go over there and literally in about 30 seconds, you'll have an email to send out to them. Boom. They're done. Uh, if you're a member, you get a discount on those. So uh, go check those out. Go check them out. Uh, Greg and I will be back later this week to preview this uh, Bengals Patriots game. Until then, everybody try to decompress from that awful debacle that we witnessed on Sunday in Vegas. He's Greg. I'm Nick. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast brought to you by Athletic Greens and our friends at betonline.ag.